This podcast is brought to you by New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit the website newhope.net.au or follow us on social media. The book of Ezekiel can be divided into two halves. The first half focuses on Ezekiel's announcement that God's about to leave the building. Because of the behavior of the Israelites, the unthinkable is about to happen. God's presence will depart the temple and the city's about to be destroyed. Over 24 chapters, Ezekiel lays out this devastating assessment of the depths of Israel's sin. The situation, frankly, is so grave that there is no ground for hope to be found. The clock has struck midnight and Israel has run out of options. There's nothing left, no energy, no possibility that Israel can turn the situation around. And then, like in a dramatic moment from an action movie with Matt Damon, a messenger arrives to deliver the news. The city has fallen. And from here, a place of unimaginable despair. In the second half of the book, Ezekiel casts a series of astonishing visions of hope and possibility as he announces to his fellow exiles that the newness of God is breaking forth. These statements of hope are some of the most remarkable in all of the Bible. Let's listen to one of Ezekiel's prophecies of hope. Today's reading is from Ezekiel 37, 1 to 10. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. He said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to those bones. I will make breath into you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their own feet, a vast army. Of all of the prophets in the Hebrew Bible, there are so many things about Ezekiel that are unique. Ezekiel's unique because he addresses Israel during an unprecedented double whammy of a crisis. The destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and the conquering and the separation of the people of Israel as the leaders and artists and upper echelons of society were dragged off and exiled in Babylon, while the rest of Israel remains in Judah. Ezekiel's unique because Unlike so many of the other biblical authors who respond to these unprecedented events, he's not tweeting about them from his comfortable lounge in the homeland. Ezekiel is the only prophet who's right there, right in Babylon, neck deep 
in the place of crisis, experiencing all of the hardships and the humiliations and the questions as one of the exiles. And Ezekiel's unique among the prophets because God gives him a unique role, that of a watchman. A watchman does an important, but let's face it, largely invisible job. They watch over a city or a building or a house through the night until the dawn. They don't really do very much. The job of a watchman is to wait and to watch, to look, to listen and to notice as the sun fades and the world quiets until the depth of the night gives way to the coming dawn. A watchman remains both alert to the danger and alive to the possibility of a new day. When my parents were building a house in Brisbane during my childhood, the only way they could afford it was if dad took two jobs. So by day he was a mild-mannered accountant, and in the evening he was the night watchman at Garden City, the local shopping mall. Sometimes on the weekend, mum would pile us kids in the car in our pyjamas and we'd take some food to my dad while he was on watch. And what I noticed is that the shopping mall at night came alive in a totally different way than it did during the day. Without the crowds of shoppers, other casts of characters emerged from the shadows, like the man who slept behind the dumpsters like the truck drivers delivering the pallets of goods, like the women who lingered near the McDonald's drive-through, or the sweaty baker singing off-key as he mixed and kneaded bread. My dad did that job for several years, several years walking around the centre, walking through the centre, stopping to chat with various people, but never really doing anything, just trying to stay awake, watching the clock, staring out into the night, contemplating his life, waiting for the dawn, watching and waiting. I can't, can't help but notice the parallels between the watchman and this period of social isolation. Many of us have withdrawn from so many of our usual ways of being as the footprint of our lives has shrunk to mirror the footprint of our homes. In many ways, we've taken up the role of watchmen. We've been walking around in our homes, walking around in our neighbourhoods, talking to people we've never noticed before, alert to danger in a way we've never been, watchful and waiting, hoping for the dawn of a return to a life as we knew it. And one of the effects of this is that we've begun to notice things we've never seen before, things we've never noticed. Some of us have noticed the emptiness beneath our busyness. Others, the energy that comes with a narrower set of responsibilities and focus. Some of us have a renewed sense of the profound gift of our families. Others, the grief of loneliness and the vulnerability of our lives. I wonder, what have you noticed? Over the past two weeks, many people around the world have noticed in a new way 
the uncomfortable reality of acts of police brutality in the United States. Confronting videos like the one of George Floyd being murdered aren't new. But it's as if during this moment we've seen them with fresh eyes in a way that's connected to and opened up deeper questions about the systemic nature of racism in our societies. And not just in the United States, but also here in Australia as well. How is it that I'm only just noticing that Indigenous Australians are 3% of the Australian population, but almost 30% of our prison population? That kind of deeper noticing was certainly the case for Ezekiel. When God called him to act as a watchman, he bore witness not just to the contemporary crisis in front of him, but in watching and waiting, he saw the way in which the current crisis was connected to centuries-old patterns. The Israelites consoled themselves with the idea that, well, they were just the victims, that God's presence was pushed out of the temple because of the overwhelming military power of the Babylonian army. But God gave Ezekiel the eyes to see the truth. The truth that Israel's problems with holiness weren't all that new. They'd been struggling for a long time to live out God's justice and righteousness. And God didn't leave because he feared the Babylonian army, but because he could no longer stand to be around the profane and self-interested, power-seeking behaviour of a people who claimed to worship God but hadn't even noticed that God had left the building a while ago because he couldn't stand to, to be amongst their defiled, hypocritical worship a minute longer. The role God gave to Ezekiel in the midst of the crisis was that of a watchman, watching and noticing the uncomfortable and dangerous reality present beneath the surface, warning the people by calling it out, in the strongest possible terms. And the role of the watchman God gave Ezekiel also involved waiting through the night for the dawn. Having experienced the depth of the darkness of the night, having confronted the worst case scenario and seen the way in which the people themselves were unable to change course, to turn and go in a new direction. Ezekiel's role as watchman was also to be a herald of hope, to see beyond what is to what will be. Having witnessed the breadth and the depth of Israel's unacknowledged sin, God gifts to Ezekiel a series of extraordinary visions of hope, a picture of a new future given by God beyond the lost city, beyond the destroyed temple, beyond the scattered people and the lost land, a concrete hope at the very moment when the community risk falling into hopelessness. And the basis for this hope isn't that the Israelites will finally get their act together and pull up their socks. This hope is based on the conviction that God is actively involved in his creation and vigorously at work in its redemption. In our reading today from Ezekiel 37, God shows Ezekiel a valley of dry bones and he asks, Son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel can't answer and replies, O Lord God, only you know. God responds by saying, 
prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. So prophesy, prophesy over these bones, say to them, you shall live. What a strange and wonderful vision that is. That in the very place of despair and desolation and death, God will call forth life. It's a picture of resurrection, which just like the disciples of Jesus will discover sometime later is the last thing we're expecting. That when it looks like to us, it's all lost, like the dawn will never come and the darkness will go on forever, like the consequences of our sin will sink us and our failure to practice justice will take our neighbour down along with us. God breathes life into the hollows of our dry, brittle bones. God God's hope for us doesn't lie in a fantasy or a dream. Hope isn't found in the recovery of better days that have now passed. God's sure and certain hope lies in the expectation that God will do what he said he will do, that he will call forth a new living creation right in the midst of the deathly and decaying old one, and that he will take the parts of us that we think are beyond saving, beyond hope, be beyond redemption, and he will have his way with us and with his world, his beautiful creation in his time. Perhaps in our own season of crisis, Ezekiel the watchman provides us with a model to follow. Perhaps the gift from Ezekiel to us today is that he's pointing out the way that we too can participate in this, our moment of crisis. And our participation in this way involves setting aside our addiction to taking action, to being in control and committing ourselves to the rigorous work of waiting so that our waiting might open up new horizons of our seeing and having seen what we have failed to see before, how our own unrighteousness and our own failure to practice justice are offensive to God, we might die to ourselves and all that is deathly within us and our community so that God might raise us to new life, a new hope so beautiful, it comes to us like a vision of a dawn. In this season, won't you join with me in watching and waiting with great expectation for God's living, life-giving newness to break forth?